All right, welcome back to the Prospecting Show. Today is Monday, June 29th, and we got the guys from Linked Leads here on the call. We got David Getzinger and James Viola. How are you guys doing? How's Good, going? man. How are you, Connor? Things are great. So, so I always tell people on the show, there's three parts to the show, right? There's the past, the present, and the future. So to start things off, tell us, you know, maybe we'll start with James. Go backwards a little bit. Tell us where you started and how you got up to today. And then we'll go, David, same thing, where you started and how you got up to today. Yeah, absolutely. So um, basically, I, my entrepreneurial journey started when my three and a half year old son was born. Um, we had uh, we have a cool thing in New Jersey where they give, even the dads get a little bit of leave. So I had like six weeks of paid leave during that time. Um, and you know, the reality is that I was kind of like, we were in a position where my wife and I both had pretty steady income and stuff like that. So this isn't some rags and riches story or anything. But what I did realize when I was home with my son was like, man, I don't want to spend 50, 60 hours a week at my job, you know, in order to support my family. I want to be here with them. Sure. Um, so I tried a couple of different things. I tried some affiliate marketing, some drop shipping, and honestly, um, I had a fair bit of success regardless of what I was trying. And to a certain extent, that was because my background uh, at my day job was to help, um, you know, make sure that uh, my the, the companies that I was working for were in the automotive industry. And my job was to make sure that the bays were full. Okay. Got it. Right. To make sure that we were acquiring and retaining customers in that business. So, um, you know, to a certain extent, I had some skill sets, you know, kind of built in uh, a little bit, but obviously huge learning curve as well, right? Um, so, you know, it got to a point where um, I started, you know, um, marketing for local businesses, pretty much of all types, right? Like I didn't really have a specific niche, um, which I think many people make that mistake when they first start out, right? Sure. And, and um, you know, what happened was we had a couple of good months and then next thing you know, like my wife never had to go back to work. Uh, I did end up having to go back to work, obviously, because I didn't build a business in six weeks. But within about six months or so, I had replaced both my regular day job income plus my wife's former day job income. So I was like, why the heck am I still here? Like, you know, I might as well, you know, give this thing a real go. and. and uh, you know, at that point, I uh, I decided to go full time with my business. Um, at this point, I had I had moved into more along the lines of what what my uh, what my day job entailed, right? In terms of helping businesses to acquire clients, acquire and retain more clients, and um, I was getting my own clients through various methods, right? I was running ads, even though I didn't really know what I was doing in that regard. I sure. was uh, I was cold calling. I was going to BNI events and all the stuff that people hate to do, right? Um, and then ultimately, somebody had introduced me in early two, 2017 or mid mid 2017. Somebody had introduced me to the idea of utilizing LinkedIn. That they were doing something completely different than what I do because they were just straight up manually hands to keyboard yeah. connecting with people. And back then, obviously, it was you know more than possible, and honestly, it still is more than possible to you know acquire clients that way. So then, 
I started, you know, looking at different ways where you could potentially automate that process and, you know, kind of developed an entire uh, acquisition system centered around LinkedIn. And then along the way, David and I ended up marketing to each other and that's that's how we ended up meeting. <laughs> and the cool thing is that we ended up finding that our skill sets were actually very different. But at this point, I think that's where I'm gonna let David take over because otherwise I'll just talk through the whole show. <laughs> All right, David, let's hear it. Yeah, no worries. So I started in software sales back in 2010, worked for a corporate firm, did the corporate uh, lifestyle for about five years. And I just, I was in sales and had a team full of eight that would cold call for me uh, on my behalf. Uh, so each team had about eight people and 60 calls a day. So it, it was very effective, but also very costly. And, and ultimately, I think corporate was not the environment that I wanted to be in. So I wanted to go out on my own. Uh, so about 2015 to 2016, I think I'm a lot like James. I did a lot of everything. Uh, I started a commercial cleaning company, which we still have today, which I still market for today using LinkedIn, um, drop shipped and all that good stuff as well. Um, but eventually I found LinkedIn as a wonderful prospecting engine for my own business. And I thought, hey man, I really wanna be able to work this to be able to generate customers uh, for clients. And so I've been using LinkedIn only as a deliverable since 2017. Uh, what's nice is, is that there's no ad spend involved. So if right. there's any B2B firm that is looking to grow and scale, uh, Facebook isn't the best place for them, but LinkedIn is where business professionals hang out and market to one another. Yeah. So I started a boutique agency and I started with one client. And now today, I think we have consistently 20 month over month that me and wow. my small team work with, uh, that they're account managers, essentially. I set everything up, I automate it. They go in the accounts every day and respond to the interest. and. Oddly enough, that's where me and James kind of came into meeting each other was through the LinkedIn platform. And it was it was funny because I had never seen some of the bolt-on features that he had added on to LinkedIn. And that's where we got to really talking and eventually forming this partnership. So it's been a wonderful ride thus far and putting our, our two skill sets together has been a great value add uh, for our customers and for our coaching clients. Yeah, and that's interesting too, because a lot of people, the the reason they start a company is because they have a problem for their self and they're trying to solve that, right? And you both pretty much just said the same thing, right? It's like, hey, I have this idea. I'm looking for customers for myself or for my job. I build a system out and then, oh, hey, this is actually a company, right? And because you build up that kind of system in place, I think it's really nice that you guys have different skill sets. So so walk me through the, the difference in skills and how you guys kind of bolted those two together like where's the line or where do you guys divide the the skills in the business yeah that's that's obviously a fair point i mean ultimately um the reason that i was so intrigued by uh working with the the prospect of working with david in the first place is because basically you know i was doing all this extra stuff outside of linkedin uh in terms of you know automating uh, the outreach beyond just messaging someone in the inbox, you know, including a cold email follow-up and multi-channel retargeting efforts and things of that nature and having a, a pipeline that's semi to fully automated as well. Sure. And when I introduced these ideas to David, he had never heard of them, you know what I mean? But he was already getting great results for himself and his clients without that stuff. So I'm like, man, this guy must be really good at doing this stuff inside of LinkedIn because I do that stuff too, 
but I need all this extra stuff to make it work. Otherwise, it doesn't make sense. Sure. And he obviously didn't, right? Because he had built an agency without even knowing that you could do any of this cool stuff, right? Right, right. So right. that kind of is the reason that um, that I was super intrigued in, in terms of uh, partnering up with David, plus the guy's a workhorse, you know? He, he, he likes to get after it and... I'm a little bit of a workaholic myself, so that tends to do well. <laughs> yeah. So um, I'll kind of let David take it from there, though. Yeah, I mean, we, uh, James has a very nice feature, both on features that I, I was never using for my agency before. And I was using LinkedIn only getting 12 to 20 firms that were interested in, in our client services per month. And then you add on. Uh, the bolt-on stuff on the back end outside of LinkedIn. So really, I was very familiar with inside. James was very familiar with outside. So putting those two together, it just turned it into a machine that that really just blew it out of the water. Yeah, and, and that's interesting you talk about that because a lot of people, I, I think, this is kind of a theory, but I think marketing going forward is going to be more omni-channel, right? There's a lot of people who are independently building these vertical stacks. Hey, we're on TikTok. Hey, we're on LinkedIn. Hey, we're on Facebook. And people are just starting to realize these multi-channel or omni-channel retargeting strategies that exist, right? Take it to email, take it to Facebook, take it to Instagram, you know, take it off the platform, put it in your CRM, like whatever it is you're doing, they're starting to go around to these different kind of areas and, and uh, do banner ads, things like that. and so many people haven't even started to figure that out yet, right? This is like, I we probably have two years still, even the people who listen to this are still not gonna figure out all the steps, um, but it really is the future, right? You see people getting retargeted in certain ways and you guys have just already figured out how to bolt all these pieces together so you get a better result. And kind of to, to James's point, you can definitely kill it inside LinkedIn and LinkedIn alone, but if you have the right audience and you have the right customer base, you can go omni-channel and be a lot more successful if you do it right. So, you know, where do you see you guys going now? Like, what what do you see the future as? Is it omni-channel? Is it just developing the relationships further? Is it more in sales copy? Like, what do you think the kind of secret piece is um, that you guys are doing that's better or, or more efficient or more effective than anybody else out there? Yeah, so from a coaching perspective, right, Connor, I mean, that is kind of a thing where, you know, a lot of people, especially when it comes to LinkedIn and email, it's all like swipe files, copy and paste, this, that, and the third, which is great for speed of execution. So I'm not I'm not speaking down on those those programs or those people. But I think the one of the big differences, and there's actually quite a few in, in terms of the way that we approach it, but one of the big differences with David and I is that we're giving people frameworks in which they can, you know, still create effective messaging, but also find their own voice at the same time, rather than using a copy and paste template that inevitably becomes tired once it's used by, you know, a thousand different marketers a hundred times a day. I right. mean, it gets played out, right? So, right, right. Um, you know, we're big proponents of saying, okay, here are the components you should have in your messaging. Now go write some messaging and present it to me and David and we'll rip it apart, tell you how bad it is. Not, I'm just kidding, kind of, not really. And then, uh, you know, we'll, we'll critique it honestly, right? Whether it's good or bad. Right. And then, you know, you can take that criticism and utilize it in order to refine it. And ultimately what we end up with is, even though we have dozens of people in our uh, group coaching as private clients, none of them have, there's no 
two messages that are alike, right? Right, right? So everybody has their own unique messaging. Everybody has their own unique landing page, their own unique ads, so on and so forth. And it's a little bit more high touch than the typical program, which obviously makes it so that we can't take on as much volume. It's just sure. like physically impossible. Um, because the other reality of it is that David and I, in addition to coaching people, we are both still in the trenches running our individual agencies as well, right? So um, for us, that's huge. Um, it's important for when we're looking for our own mentors. I mean, I think we figured it out, like between the two of us, we've spent over, you know, 50K on mentorship ourselves right. just since 2017. So it's not like, you know, in 10 years, no, it's like in two and a half, three years, we've spent you know, combined over over 50K in that time frame. And what we found is that like some of them are awesome, some of them are a complete waste of and some of them lie somewhere in the middle, probably most of them, right? Right. Um, and the ones that like really had the biggest impact on us are the ones where A, you actually get access to the person, right? Oh, or the people who who created the process. And the other thing is where there's a high level of accountability rather than just saying, here's a bunch of videos and some supporting documentation. Now go figure it out. Um, and that's kind of how we have structured our coaching program is to be super high touch and have a, a very high level of accountability. But uh, I'm sure I missed some stuff there. So I'll let David kind of expand upon what I just rattled off. No, I mean, I think we both still see value in having our own agencies, right? We still see value in growing because I have a really low ticket offer inside LinkedIn only. James has the all-encompassed outside offer that's higher ticket. But ultimately, like we found that agency owners didn't have an engine in place to grow and scale. And we could teach that really, really well. And so that's really what this coaching program is. It's like, uh, I've been there with the pendulum swings in revenue, right? Like your prospect and you're done when you get someone that raises their hand and say, yes, I have an interest in what you have to offer. You sell to them and now you've got to fulfill. Ultimately, you're you're swinging on this pendulum until your revenue is a roller coaster ride. But it's not until you put systems in place where you can remove yourself and focus on one thing and allow systems to do all the work that you can actually grow and scale and get to a revenue number that you're comfortable with uh, for yourself, for your family or whatever you're looking to achieve in your, in your business. So. Yeah, I think ultimately the coaching, there's such potential there because I think there's a lot of people that try to gain clients and try to get traction in the marketplace, but they are not utilizing the tools properly. And, you know, we'd love to, to utilize our resources to be, you know, like most coaches that have programs aren't holding their hand. We want to take you through the entire process uh, and help you and show you. And that's that's really the differenti differentiating factor for us in our program is like, hey, we're going to follow you through step one, pillar one, all the way to pillar nine, nine weeks. Like we're going to be high touch helping you every step of the way. So that's a huge, a huge value add for, for our uh, private clients there too. Yeah. And, and when you guys say that you have, you know, high touch and you're kind of interacting with your, your clients, what do you think the number one thing is that your customers say at the end of it? Not, not on the agency side, but on the coaching side, like when they finish your nine week program, um, I'm assuming most of them are commenting on the high touch, right? Because like you guys say, a lot of courses are like, hey, here's an info product. It's 40, 
you know, it's four modules, 10 videos a module, it's 40 episodes and go knock yourself out, right? But you guys are kind of structuring it a little more formal. And because it's a nine week program, I mean, you guys have an enrollment period, I'm sure. And then you roll through the, the steps and then you guys re-enroll again. So, you know, what do you hear from most of the people that you are, are coaching? Like what's the part that they like the most about your program? Yeah, absolutely. It's a fair point. I mean, um, I just wanted to touch on one thing before I dive directly into that. As far as the uh, the omni-channel aspect of things you were alluding to, um, you know, the bottom line is, uh, I think something in the range of 90% of LinkedIn users are also on Facebook, right? So, you know, it's obviously it's hard to target those people like that are in your exact target market unless you're leveraging the fact that you're connecting with them on LinkedIn first, right? And you're targeting them in Sales Navigator using that, and then you're then you're creating a custom audience out of that, and then you can serve as those specific people. It kind of makes the whole omni-channel thing, which is not easy to figure out. I'm not, I'm not trying to act as if it is, but it definitely alleviates one portion of it in terms of actually targeting people across multiple channels. Um, now, with regards to uh, what our students are saying about our course, I mean, you know, it's it's funny because we have uh, some people who literally didn't even have an agency prior to coming on board, and we have some people that were already had agencies that were doing, you know, 30K plus a month join our course as well. So uh, the, the, um, the sentiment uh in that regard is definitely uh, it varies depending on what level of expertise they already had or where their scheduled calls were already coming from and things of that nature but here's what i can tell you for certain is that people who are accustomed to only booking calls from cold email uh absolutely love our process because they feel as if the the calls are so much warmer and fuzzier to begin with right like that initial call where you're yeah trying to ask, hey, what motivated you to book the call or whatever the case may be. Well, when you're coming off of a cold email, it's like, what do you mean what motivated motivated me to book the call? You sent me an email, you know what I mean? Right. Whereas right. With, with the organic outreach process in LinkedIn, it's a little bit you know, warmer of a process. And to be honest with you, even when you compare it to inbound paid ads, I find personally that the show up rate is so much higher and yeah. my close my close rate is higher on LinkedIn leads as well. So when it comes right down to it, I mean, like we have people who are adding on to the um, adding on to the healthy revenue that they already had in place. And we also have people who literally didn't even have agencies that, right. you know, within a week or two of going live already have, you know, four booked calls, eight booked calls, 12 booked calls. And it's cool because, you know, it's, it lets you know that, you know, what you've been doing since 2016, 2017 is still relevant, right? Yeah. Because that's super important when it comes to coaching as well. And then um, what I would say as far as the other aspect of that is um, it, it lets you know that like you really have between myself and David, we really have a process that's dialed in that that is suitable for different skill sets, right? People who are experienced marketers, people who literally don't even have an agency are all getting booked calls. And it's funny because you see other agency owners out there kind of 
floundering for months and sometimes years at a time. Yeah. Struggling to be able to get booked calls. And we've got guys who, you know, been live two weeks with their campaigns and they're already getting uh, inbound booking. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting you guys kind of bring up, um, you guys bring up the organic component, right? Because at the end of the day, a lot large amount of the organic pieces um, are what leads to that better phone call, right? The fact that it's organic leads to the phone call quicker, the show up rates there, the close rates higher, just because it's a real relationship, right? It's not an interruptive ad. It's not a banner ad like, oh, I saw that, click it and then forget about the ad, you know, later. It's really, hey, this person's talking to you, you've built a relationship, you're interested in chatting and then you get on the phone. So where do you guys see mixing organic and non-organic strategies? Like, do you think that people should start with both? Should they start with just organic and build up? Is it a revenue thing? Like, where do you kind of pull those two together? And when do you recommend that an agency or a business owner starts combining the two? That's actually an excellent question. So um, for our specific strategy, you have to wait till you have at least 200 connections in your target market in order to start combining the organic with the paid. Um, and at that, you can do it at a super low ad spend, right? Because obviously you're staying in front of a very small audience. So staying in front of a couple hundred people or even a thousand people or even 2000 is much more cost effective than it is to try to serve ads to 2 million people or 20 people as you would be with cold ads, right? So you can effectively stay in front of those people for five to $10 a day rather than you know, having to spend the typical $50 a day or $100 a day like you would in order to be successful, you know, with cold ads alone by by themselves as a stance, standalone. Yeah, and, and it's also interesting because it's kind of a, a top versus middle versus bottom of funnel strategy, right? If you kind of run paid traffic to the top of a funnel where it's like you said, 2 million people, interest-based targeting, maybe you have an age and a gender associated with it. It's like, you're just pulling out the shotgun and ripping holes in the wall, right? Whereas if you, you know, take that mid, mid-market or mid-level funnel and you're like, hey, they already are the right job title, they're already in the right country, they already fit this these soft parameters, right? Whether that's a, a keyword or a history or whatever it is that you look for in the profile, and then you retarget those people, that's a heck of a lot better than looking for someone who has interest in Weight Watchers or whatever the, you know, the interest-based targeting is on, <laughs> on Facebook, right? So it's, it's really interesting that you guys have done that. How have you seen um, like custom lists? A lot of people take lists, you know, download those lists and then upload them to Facebook and try to run custom audiences off of like, you know, some Google lead finder, a list they bought or whatever. What do you find with these custom audiences that you guys are building? Are they getting better engagement, better cost per click, or like what, you know, what is the stats or what are you seeing on the back end for the most part? Yeah, so the cool thing about that, Connor, and that's honestly a great question, is that again, um, you know, I think honestly what you said uh, dovetails right into this, right? Because now the person has connected with you on LinkedIn before they see your ad, right? So it's like, oh, I know that guy. You know what I mean? Especially if you have your face on the ad. It's like, right. oh, that's so weird. I, I, I'm connected with that guy on LinkedIn. I literally just connected with him yesterday. Now <laughs> I'm seeing his ad on Facebook in my newsfeed, or now I'm seeing his banner ad on, on uh, the AccuWeather app or whatever the case may be, right? Sure. So um, the, I would say that um, 
just as much as the clicks to conversions, there's assisted conversions in that regard, where let's say somebody still books through the link that I sent them in LinkedIn, but they'll literally tell me like, hey man, that's so weird. Like I, I started seeing your ads everywhere right after we connected and I'm like, oh yeah, that is so weird. You know? <laughs> obviously I know why it happened, but you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, that part of it is very interesting. And then as far as the um, the cost per, like I said, you run it at a super low budget, right? Yeah. Because like, again, a custom audience with, let's say you're connecting with 20 people a day. Uh, so you're talking about 600 people a month, right? It's it's not a large audience. So you're, right. you're gonna run it at maybe five, 10 bucks a day. So because of that, you do get cheap leads, right? Your, yeah. your leads are, when you, you run at a lower budget, even if it's to an interest-based uh, audience, the lower, typically the lower budget you run at, the, the lower the lead cost, right? Because Facebook's trying to stretch your ad dollar or whatever the case may be. Right. Um, and that's what we tend to see as well. And again, the same holds true though, right? Like when they connect with you, even if they connect with you on LinkedIn first and then fill out a Facebook lead format, like, which is typically what we run, by the way, if it's, if it's Facebook, if it's a banner ad, it's going to go right back to the landing page that right. is, you know, associated with our profile. If it's uh, a Facebook ad, it's literally going to go Facebook lead form right to a booking page, right? right. So like on the thank you page, thank you step of the lead form ad, we're going to have a button that says, you know, select a day and time or whatever, and they click there and just go right to a booking page. We don't even have a landing page involved with that just to, reduce that resistance you know what i mean yeah yeah make it make plus, it streamline yeah plus the fact that you know they already you know they already kind of know us to a certain extent sure theoretically they've already read our profile i think what was it david uh that screenshot i posted in our private slack group the other day um i want to say like something like 70 percent of the people that i was connecting with were actually going and viewing my profile right wow, so yeah that's where what i do and then what david does dovetails into one another so nicely because you know david is an expert at optimizing profiles crafting messaging positioning you as an expert in your, in your space so that this way okay you connect with someone they go to your profile they read more about who it is that you serve right yeah other than reading an online resume like most yeah. people have mm -hmm. um and how you can potentially help them, whatever those specific pain points right. are that market has, right? So now they've already done that before they ever even see my retargeting ad. So now I don't really need to send them to a landing page, right? Sure, because sure. they've already kind of been on a mini little landing page that is my LinkedIn profile, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, and, and David, I mean, James talking a little bit about sales copy there, right? And having the right sales copy, both within the message, but then also within the profile. Do you find that, um, you know, if somebody had to, to pick, right? Well, we'll do that pick between the two. Profile optimization or outbound message? What, what do you think is more important to get the sales copyright on? Outbound messaging. Yeah, okay. I definitely agree with you on that. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's like they, people don't even have to, you don't even actually have to have a website, right? To be able, if you, if you are bare bones starting an agency, starting even just any company, B2B, you could probably get a really detailed LinkedIn system together, kind of go through your guys' nine-week coaching program and do outbound marketing instead of throwing ads up and trying to do inbound marketing, probably without a website, and you can absolutely crush it. Like Syntax, our, our other agency, we didn't have a website for nine months. 
zero website, nine months, and then you start getting really creative. And one of the things I think, you know, to your guys' point, it actually matters if you sit down and think about the flow of how people get to you. Like we used to send out Calendly links, right, for people to book. And what we did is we embedded our Calendly on our website now, and we send our website link with the Calendly. So we have syntax.com slash discovery, and that's embedded. So people automatically get the website retarget instead of just sending a raw Calendly link. And something as small as that change actually makes a difference because our cost per acquisition goes down almost fourfold when we do that. And all we've done is take the same booking and put it on the website instead of taking them to the Calendly page. It's simple, right? It's a really small change and it made a huge difference for us. So what other, you know, maybe as like a last kind of piece, what other tricks do you guys, you know, want to share with the people who end up listening to this? Maybe like one one tip or trick each uh, on the LinkedIn side for, for getting better results. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's, it's provide value. I mean, there's so many guys that do what we do on LinkedIn and it's salesy, it's spammy, it's like a bot wrote it. I mean, I could go into my LinkedIn connection request right now and I have over 50 and it's like, hey, buy my stuff. And that's just not the way to go about it, right? So for us, we really like to provide value first. And what we've done is like taken every messaging template that we ever knew worked. So we have a framework and a sequence beside it. So we're like, when we connect, we'll throw a case study at you, a benefit-driven message at you. We'll throw testimonials at you, we'll throw an opt-in page at you. But the whole goal is like, if you don't have a real-life conversation with a real-life human being, you're not going to get good results. So that's the biggest takeaway for me is like, make sure that you're providing value first. And then from there, you know, that it's a networking platform. Once you yeah. do that, you'll have that conversation moving forward about what it is you do and how you can help. Sure. And James? Yeah. So honestly, my stuff, uh, my tip here is going to be actually more along the lines of what David was just talking about. Um, and it really comes right down to what we refer to as chat triage, right? So basically all this automation and all these ads and things of that nature are gen are generating inbound interest. But if you're not properly fielding that inbound interest, it's not gonna equate or it's not gonna uh, add up to as many appointments as you want it to. Sure. So that's where you need to be able to have your finger on the pulse of a conversation and be able to accurately kind of look at, uh, you know, where somebody's at and you know what message you already sent them even if it was automated you want to go back and read the message yeah. that they're replying to so you understand the context right what they're saying to you and and really you know there's certain things that you can say that will um increase the amount of appointments and the amount of calls that you're able to to generate and certain things that you can do that will actually repel people in those scenarios right so kind of really you know finding Basically, regardless of what I say or regardless of what David says or what Connor says, it's super important to sound like you, even if you're automating your stuff, right? Or even if your stuff is pre-written and a VA sending it out or whatever the case may be, it's important for it to sound like you because eventually they're gonna get on the phone with you, right? Yeah. And it's like, if it's written by somebody else and then they get on the phone with you and there's two different styles of speaking and two different language styles, it's gonna feel very disjointed, even if they don't say it out loud. Right. Internally, the prospects can be like, wait a minute, like this is not the person I was chatting with. Really yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so, for people who are interested in the course, maybe you know, want to learn a little bit more about LinkedIn, ways that you can help them, or, you know, either through the course or even you're done with you, done for you services. What is the best way for people to to reach you guys right now? 
Yeah, probably. I would say the best way is probably through our free group right now, which is just uh, the LinkedIn prospecting engine. Uh, and that can easily be found on, uh, on Facebook. David, do you have the URL handy for that? It's long. That's... Is it? Well, it's uh, facebook.com slash groups and then a long number. <laughs> oh, it is? Okay. We'll, we'll just well, link, LinkedIn we'll leads that in wherever he throws You're going to find it. Yeah, you'll definitely find it. Um, I mean, that's how I found you guys. Just search anything for LinkedIn on Facebook. You guys will kind of pop up in the top two or three there uh, in the groups for sure. So you guys will find it. Um, I appreciate you guys coming on the show. Uh, I know I know there's uh, a lot of people who end up coming on the show, listening to it, telling a bunch of uh, background stories. But the cool thing is that the prospecting show started as just that, the prospecting show, right? Lead generation, sales, marketing, entrepreneurship. And it really has taken a turn in the last uh, 30 episodes into like entrepreneurial highlights. So it's kind of cool to, to bring it back to to some of the core work, right? Some lead generation, LinkedIn, B2B, like this is like what the show was originally designed for. So I, I appreciate you guys, uh, you know, coming out and, and talking on the show. Awesome, and man. we actually have the link right here too. So we'll throw it down here uh, in the description uh, at the end of the show. And that way you guys can actually click on it and backlink uh, over to the group. So thank you so much, guys. Awesome. Thank you, Connor.